time to die. You can go ahead and release the tension in your chest, as this is not a piece where I'm focused on last wills and testaments. Well, I suppose it depends on which lens you view the information through. Honestly, before we can even get to whether one hears, well done, or depart from me, I never knew you, we'll have experienced several other instances that may feel worse than death. But like death, these situations may be sudden, or at other times you may battle the proverbial death bed to do. Either way, rest assured, it's always only a matter of when. To die, and not by Webster's description, signifies time has expired or that a thing has met its expected end. Basically, if you've ever had to grieve anything, you've probably had a brush with death. I'm sure you can think of a laundry list of things you've experienced that have ended, whether by chance or premeditated. The process, of course, looks different for most of us. For some, it's a process of pruning, where you may lose friends, family, or things you hold dear. For others, it's more personal, whereas their health declines or a wee error in judgment places them in an, oh, how the mighty have fallen, category. For me, I've had many symbolic burials. There's been daily departed relationships, possessions, and at some junctures, even my reputation. But what I want to hone in on is the versions of me that even now when reawoken, I have to drag back to its final resting place, rather forcefully I may add. Thankfully, that ordeal is not nearly as frequent, because at one point, I swore I was a cat, hashtag nine lives, hashtag purr. I mean, those less desirable characteristics were relentless. In the spirit of full disclosure, I liked the older versions of myself. It was where I was comfortable. Messy and all, I functioned, or so I thought, in the organized chaos that was me. Most people may opine that shifting through those variations of myself was given unstable, but in the grand scheme of things, experiencing myself in all those forms clarifies the notion of, I once was blind, but now I see. Hashtag, look where God has brought us. One of my more memorable moments of dying to self began in 2007. I left the comforts of my sunny climb for the dreary West Coast at a healthy 210 pounds, only to return two years later at a noticeable 145 pounds. I'm sure you're thinking, ah, sis, I don't see a problem. Yeah, I hear you. But the thing is, all I ever knew was chunky. All I'd ever seen looking back at me was rosy cheeks, no clavicle in sight, and I walked to the soundtrack of hashtag main character energy every day. I had mastered dressing that body. I knew how to pick my size from a rack with consistent accuracy, never having to try on a thing. I knew the exact bandwidth of that body and how it functioned in any setting. It was like going from a full-body SUV to riding in a Fiat. The math for me was no longer mathing. Still, when I look back at old photos, I hadn't until that juncture realized how round I was and in all the wrong places. 
and on several occasions I grumbled how no one cued me in on the abundant circumference of my anatomy. Hashtag pleasantly plump my foot. While everyone was raving about the weight loss and asking for the secret sauce, the scary truth is I was now lost. Fluffy Raquel was familiar and safe. It was the adjective used to identify me. Man, you know Raquel, the heavy set one. I felt more confident since I'd wrapped my mind around Pudgy being the genetic profile God himself had willed for me. Hashtag cool beans. I knew how to defend that girl against the Snickers. No one could rattle her with their snide remarks. Double chin and all, I perfected how to accentuate the positive and work it to my benefit. But this new size six was the smallest I'd been for most of my life, and it threw me for a loop. So while I'd smile and nod politely at the backhanded compliments, deep in the recesses of my soul, I felt out of place. I've heard scores of people who had drastic weight loss success talk about how good they felt afterward. This was not my testimony. And until now, I've never said any of this out loud. To be clear, I didn't embark on a weight loss journey. It was a byproduct of a change in environment and unintended adjustment in daily habits. It was as simple as eating less and moving more. Hashtag the college struggle. Hashtag if you know, you know. Fast forward a few short years, an already small frame got smaller. And the once self-sufficient leading lady grew weaker. Not only was I feeling uneasy in this new skin, but now the awkwardness was hidden in plain sight. It was gradual, but it happened. I died all over again. Like a rose bowl parade, my most distressing flaw went on display. A defect that I couldn't so easily conceal with makeup and bright hair dye or tuck behind a fake smile. There was no deflecting from this with matching shoes and purses. It felt like I was forced into being vulnerable in front of people who weren't necessarily my people. I'll tell you, it was quite an experience watching the workplace go from cordial to cruel. As the blatant disregard for my feelings seemed never to be a forethought. In my need for deliberate avoidance, I retreated to a corner at the back of the room where the once confident bubbly girl died just a little more. Post-diagnosis, after many prescriptions filled, followed by much prayer and supplication, I began to look, but not necessarily feel better. Most days I was so heavily medicated that I doubt I could feel my feelings even if I wanted to. Medication which, by the way, caused me to now regain all the weight I'd lost and then some. Hashtag can't win for losing. At this point, I packed on the pounds like a piece of Bahamian luggage returning home from Miami. And to my misfortune, it did nothing but bring about new speculations. <sighs> Just when I thought I was on the road back to life, these unfounded rumors meant I died a little bit more again. 
Though I have died a few more times since then, I'll stop here to show you why those moments were necessary, though lonely and painful. Those seasons of what I deemed my lowest shifted my character and gave me a missing building block of morality. Empathy. The truth is, I was one of those people who didn't pay attention. But really, I didn't care to either. Seeing people at their point of need was for the missionaries, not me. My only mission was to serve looks. Listen, as long as my haircut was slain to the pixie gods, my wardrobe color palette was popping, and I could have people fawning over my statement neck pieces, all was well with the world, and I was good. Between being careless with my words, or oblivious to how my undertones of sarcasm and unsolicited opinions may have affected anyone, I had created this unspoken superiority that I hadn't earned, nor was I entitled to. Hashtag emotional damage. But then came the moments when I had no hair to mold to perfection, and my hands were unable to define my brows. It created something I'd never regarded before. Time. I now had time. Time to evaluate. Time to think before I spoke, but mainly time to observe. I recall for the first time in my life, noticed something I'd effortlessly overlooked. I saw people. As life caused me to move in slow motion, I could see things more clearly. Like who was missing and when. Which prompted me to send little notes like, Hey, missed you at church today. Or, hey, I see you're not at work yet. Is everything okay? I was shooketh that something so small, which cost me zero dollars, made such an impact. I realized there are scores of people walking through life feeling unseen. My heart sunk. Exactly how self-absorbed was I to never take notice of all the wounded souls around me. Yet, I was out here purporting to be Christ-like. Hashtag imposter. As I continued to observe, it was only natural to also listen. To my surprise, folks were taken aback when I would inquire about something they'd long since mentioned. Their response was the same every time. Oh my God, you remember that? While unable to move at the pace of a New York minute... I became stationary longer, long enough to have meaningful conversations with persons I would have not otherwise rated. Ironically, it was through those interactions that I forged friendships that I now realize were needed for my journey. Dying to what I deem gross self-involvement made me appreciate why God's ideal of two should be the rule and not the exception. It made me see that servitude is nothing to turn my nose up at but it was something so sacred that I should constantly aspire to. Don't get me wrong. Pity parties were on my roster in heavy rotation. But during many of those aha moments when I was receptive enough to hear him, God reminded me of a hard pill to swallow. It's not about me. Crazy, right? How could my life not be about me? Hashtag make it make sense, Sky Daddy. Like me, people walk around daily adorned in all the bells and whistles. But guess what? 
they still feel invisible. How incredibly sad is that? Yet we the supposed to call are so far up our own caboose, we miss the things we should be able to discern. We see these dynamics play out in the life of folks like David, a man who was so overtly disregarded but still catapulted into greatness. Yet, regardless of his many flaws, we get some of our most trusted, tried, and true psalms, the vast majority being written from his place of tragedy and sometimes his pit of self-imposed karma. And it's those ones we quote as if our own personal pledge of allegiance. David's process of dying didn't kill him, but he's an example of how God uses every aspect of our lives for his glory. Seriously, could you imagine not having Psalm 23? Which, by the way, was written from a sheep's perspective. Hashtag mind blown. How could he articulate that? had he not remained a shepherd even after being anointed king? How could he know that God is a protector if the one he fought to defend didn't try to kill him? Hashtag Saul, you salty. What reassurance we find in Psalm 91 when at our lowest. Because thou has made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy inhabitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Hashtag that good preach. Let's be honest. Who was more prolific and accurate than David in penning how we feel while in despair, but simultaneously giving us hope that no matter how dark the night, God will deliver and he will restore. Are you selfless enough to be anyone's David? David's life is a classic blueprint of rides to riches, pit to palace, and an unmatched balance of ratchet and righteous. David went through then, so today, you and I can have an entire book of prayers that give us the right words to pray, whether we want to express our adoration or go into full-on war and everything in between. In those moments when I was dying, I didn't want to. But it was time, time to be rid of the person that was incapable of understanding the assignment. In order to become who I am today, I had to put an end to mindsets that did not allow me to see the big picture. Yet, I needed those experiences to serve as a compass that would always lead me back to God. I can finally appreciate why folks advise you not to desire platforms where your character can't sustain you, and why it's paramount that you prepare for that which you are praying. Because in case no one ever told you, preparation isn't pretty. I've learned through my many encounters that dying is not optional. As Solomon denotes, there is a time for it. Time, which by the way, you do not control. I know we want to drink water and mind our business, but if you love the Lord, then people are your business. Secretly, we all wish people will treat us like humans, which I have since discovered is less important than actually being a decent human. For me, that premise highlights this harsh reality. No one cares until something drastic happens. That begs the question, 
Do you serve as someone's contingency plan rather than their preventative care? Regardless of whether you acknowledge it or not, death is inevitable. It's like Liam Neeson in Taken. It has skills and will find you. The gamble, though, is you can't pinpoint the when. The demise of certain individuals could rock a nation. The passing of others would affect no change. But ask yourself this. If you should die, be it to self or in life, what would be the impact of your death?